0: He went to the high priest and asked for letters of introduction to the synagogues in in Damascus. So that if he should find any followers of the way of the Lord, he would be able to arrest them, both men and women, and bring them back to Jerusalem. As Saul was coming near the city of Damascus, suddenly a light from the sky flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why, who are you, Lord? He asked, I am Jesus whom you persecute, the voice said. But get get up and go into the city where you will be told what you must do. And then further on in the, in, the, in the passage, the Lord speaks to a person called Ananias, a prophet of God. And this prophet is supposed to lay his hands on, 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 on Saul and take away his blindness, heal him from his blindness. And while he's doing that, he's supposed to accept Saul, the one who's persecuting the church. He's supposed to accept Saul into the community of Christ, the followers of Christ. And the natural thing for Ananias, because he's thinking naturally, is Lord, this guy is persecuting the people that's following you. He's arresting them and causing them to be persecuted, to be killed, to be thrown in jails. He's taking them away from their families. And the Lord says to Ananias, I've heard many, and in fact, Ananias tells the Lord, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, now this is a double task. The first task God gives, God gives in this passage of, of scripture is to a prophet called Ananias who is supposed to touch, and he lays hands on Saul. And here's Ananias' task. Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and the kings and to the people of Israel. Can I remind you that we were once Gentiles? In other words, there was a time that we didn't follow Christ. And if you didn't follow Christ, you were categorized as a Gentile. In other words, you didn't know Christ. So this very man is a Gentile. He didn't follow Christ. In fact, his whole being was against the followers of Christ. Everything in him wanted to destroy the people of Christ. And God turns his life around and tell him, now you will go to your kind, the people that's not following me. And you go and tell them the good news. So God takes his focus off the followers of Christ to the not followers of Christ. So that the not followers of Christ can be added to the followers of Christ. Have you got that? I wasn't the follower of Christ before. I was also one of those guys that says, When there was a cottage meeting, maybe next to our house, or I I grew up in the flats in Town, or above us, or below us, because I stayed in the flats. I used to say that now we can't watch TV, because you can't hear anymore. Because these people are singing their songs and they're clapping their hands and they're stomping their feet until what time are they going to make this noise now? And then I've learned that these cottage meetings last till about nine o'clock. And I changed my strategy and I thought to myself, I must get me something to watch from nine o'clock on TV. Then I can watch in peace when they're gone. She wasn't in the play that time, Pastor. She was still wearing Kimbis that time. But then I was also changed. The very Dolores that Pastor is mentioning with was one of the people that said, you must come and visit our youth. And it took me a couple of years to go and visit the youth. And one Wednesday evening, I went to go and visit the youth because I kind of wanted to shut them up, you know. I've done that, been there, leave me alone. And pre-program went on, a couple of choruses were sung and icebreaker went on and everything and the youth leader came along and he started to give his devotion and five minutes in, I couldn't control myself and I cried like I've never cried before. I didn't at that moment know why I was crying, but I couldn't stop crying. And the, the guy was my friend or still my friend and went to school with me was on the youth committee he's now currently the pastor of that very church he took me to the back to the prayer room after i've committed because they made an invite the youth leader made an invite and they called the people who wanted to recommit and i didn't recommit i just totally committed that night he took me to the back and he, and he read the scripture of Isaiah 43, verse 1 to me, 1 to 3. We, in short, God is just telling me that you are mine. God reminded me who I am. Not who I wanted to be, but who I am. He called me into his purpose for which, for which he made me. He reminded me I formed you. Before I actually spoke a word so that there can be an earth and a sun and a moon and the stars. He reminded me that he's made me even before my father and my mother knew me. He reminded me that night that the purpose that I have for my life is beyond what I can think. He said to me that night, you are mine. Now, at the age where I was, I think I was my second year in college, and you have dreams, and you have desires, and you have plans, and you, especially with your money, and, 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 and you've got achievements and goals that you want to reach. And that night, when God tells me through that scripture that you are mine, made all those plans null and void. In fact, if I think about it now, I haven't achieved any of those goals that I planned for myself. Because if you look at, if you stand on Cape Town station and you look out of Cape Town station towards where the trains are going, towards Woodstock and all those places, you don't just see one line going out. You see multiple lines going out there. And all God did that night was that the the line that I stood on, he took me off that line and he put me on another line that I did not ride before. I had no knowledge of that line. I didn't know the names of the stations of that line. I didn't know who I'm going to meet on that line. I didn't know where I'm going to stop on that line. I didn't know where the end of that line is. It was a scary thing for me to think about it that way. But that all floods your mind and your heart when God says, you are mine. And when God says that you are mine, then your dreams is less important than his dreams. Your purpose in life is different to what his purpose is. Your goals and achievements don't count anymore. He puts you on a line for his purpose and not for your purpose. And the weird part about it is he don't sit you down and he don't tell you by the next station that you're going to come, somebody's going to say something very evil and disrupt to you. That's going to break you apart for the next couple of months. You know that person maybe, but that person is going to say things to you. That's going to totally break your heart. Make you lose your mind. Make you reject people and you don't want anything to do with people anymore. God don't sit you down and tell you these things beforehand. He makes you walk head on to it. He makes you do that. But He tells you, you are mine. And after he tells you that you are mine, he tells you, I'll be with you all the way. And so Ananias was momentarily taken off a line that he knew and put on another line. But the line that he was put on, God told him about on that line is a guy that's persecuting the church. In fact, Ananias knew what Saul was doing. And Ananias' natural reaction was, Lord, do you know what this guy is doing to your people? Have you any idea of how many families he's disrupted and broken up? And the Lord tells him, I have chosen him for my purpose. I'm going to send him to people who also wants to do what you saw him do to follow and persecute the church. I'm going to use him to turn that people around so that that people can become like you, Ananias. I'm going to turn him around so that his life can be better. And here's the crux of the story. There on the road of Damascus, when Saul was blinded by a bright light from the sky, he fell off his horse And his first words was, what do you want from me, Lord? He didn't see the person that that spoke to him. He heard a voice. He heard a voice and he addressed that voice as Lord. Now that's another message that I would like to preach that the voice of the Lord is a voice like no other voice. If you have heard that voice once, you do not forget that voice. If you have heard that voice even in a dream, you don't forget that voice. That voice is like no, no other voice. And in this world that we are living in, there's many voices. But when the Lord speaks, it pierces through all that other voices. And it pierces right into your heart. And he says things to you that you don't want to hear. And he makes known to you plans that you don't want to participate in. And it makes you go into places that you've never planned to go to. It makes you speak to people that you did not want to associate yourself with. And Ananias was kind of forced to go to Saul, the man who's persecuting the church. And he mustn't just go and, you know, stand by the door and says, Hi, Saul. Lord says that I must just come and say hi. No, no. The Lord says to him, you go to him. You take your hands You go lay it on him. Now, if you read the scriptures, Ananias is shaky and he's scary and he don't want to get near to Saul. Because he knows the authority that Saul has. What he didn't know is God has given Saul a new authority there. An authority that don't throw people into jail, but an authority to take people out of jail. And I'll look at the analysis. Remember I gave you the short analysis of what happened to Moses. God got his attention by a burning bush. So this is the analysis about Saul. On his way to Damascus, God got his attention, or Jesus got his attention through a, a bright light, that, so bright that blinded him. Saul wanted to know who's speaking to him. Jesus introduced he introduced himself again right there and then. I must say God has got good man- manners because he won't carry on a conversation without introducing himself. These two examples where he kind of introduced himself. In this case, he says, I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. With Moses, he says, I am God. The God of your ancestors, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Jesus introduces, introduces himself as Jesus. Now, he introduces himself as Jesus to Saul because Saul was one of the people that saw Jesus died on the cross. But he didn't see Jesus being resurrected. He didn't see Jesus or he didn't meet Jesus so that he can have a meal with him and speak to him and ask him, but how is it we saw you die? How is it that you are alive again? But here, he introduces himself, I am Jesus, who you persecuted. Now just the fact that he says, I am Jesus, everybody knew him as Jesus. Before he died, they knew him as Jesus when he died. But lots of people didn't see his resurrection. Lots of people didn't speak to him after his resurrection when he was alive. So he's setting the record straight here to Saul. He says, I am alive. You saw me die, but I am now alive. I'm sitting in heaven and I'm speaking to you from heaven. And you are doing something that I don't like. You are persecuting those who are following me. So he got his attention with a bright light. And now there's a second time in this passage when he got his attention. He tell him, I am Jesus who you saw die, but I am alive and I'm speaking to you right now. Why are you persecuting my church? And the reason why I'm emphasizing on persecuting the church, let me give you some news. The church sometimes persecute the church. Did you hear what I say? The church, me and you, we sometimes persecute the church. Can I give you an example? If you don't believe me that the church can persecute the church. When I'm finished here, as I'm walking out by the door or in the following days, I will have people that message me and tell me that was a good message. And I will also have people that tell me, you never say something like that in the house of the Lord again. Then I've got to come Sunday and I've got to fist bump and put a smile on and hug that very same people. On a different line. God has put me on a different line. When I I was still on the line that I've put myself on, before I knew Christ, I would have approached that people and give them a piece of my mind. But God has put me on a different line and brings me in here and I smile with that people. I don't talk about what they said to me. I don't talk about the messages that they've sent me. I will smile to them as if water for ducks back, just carry on, you know. I've, I've just given you a little bit of insight of what pastors and, and leaders must go through after we walk off this, this pulpit and off the stage sometimes. Not always, sometimes. And there are times, mostly, when people, you know, commend you. Not that we want to be commended or complimented because we're doing it for the Lord. But there are also times when, when people say things to you that's hurtful and sometimes it gives you sleepless nights and sometimes you've got to learn all over again to make peace with yourself. And sometimes don't look at me, Adele. I'm gonna rather look this way. Sometimes there's things that people say that can that can make you land up in the institution. Ask Adele. See see see, experience that also. So the church can also persecute the church. And that is why I chose the scripture so that the people in the church knows because in some churches, there are some people that consistently do that. They they come to church and they come to church with this attitude. Let me hear what he's gonna preach today. And I will give my approval on that. And beware his or her soul. If they don't say, What the Bible say. Or what I think the Bible say. And then they wait till the church is out. And they crucify you. But there's always that one or two that says. Job well done. I needed that word from the Lord. Now I can carry on. And do what the Lord wants me to do for the next few days. And that lifts you up again. And that encourages you and you live for another day as a preacher, as a leader and as a pastor. And part of the analysis that says Jesus made known to Ananias about Saul's chains of job description. He spoke about that. Saul's task for God. He was now becoming a person that threw people in jail He's now become a person that pray for people that's in jail so that they can be released. So, both these men's lives, God and uh, Moses and, 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 and Saul, both these men's lives were turned upside down by God to become obedient to God. They were saying so that generations could see God's God created them with. When I consider your heavens in Psalm 8, verse 3 and 4. When I consider your heavens, this is David speaking, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind? What is Robert? What is Peter? What is Raymond? That God is mindful of us. Human beings that you care for them. This is David and I think David went through something horrible and then God brings him into focus again and God Gives him perspective of who God is and who man is. And God brings him into perspective, into line to let him understand that humans will always be human, and God will always be God. Once again, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord so that so he let the people of Midian. This is this is now. I'm reading, I'm reading a scripture Tatum, I'm reading out of Judges. And this is about Gideon. I'm reading out of Judges chapter 6, verse 1 to 16. I'm going to read this. It's quite a lengthy part, but I'm going to read through it. Once again, the people of Israel sinned against the Lord. So you will see it says there once again. In other words, they have before, they have also sinned against God. They've turned away from Him before. They've, they've, they've served other gods before. So He let the people of Midian rule them for seven years. Now, the people of Midian, remember I read this piece about Moses there in the desert. He was now a shepherd, but he was a shepherd for his father-in-law. His father-in-law's name was Jethro, and, and his daughters was from the tribe of Midian. They were from Midian. And here, centuries afterwards, centuries afterwards, remember, Jethro was one of those guys that came up to Moses and says, look, the task that God has given you, you cannot do this alone. You've got to, you know, you've got to Put people in place to help you to perform this task. He advised, he gave Moses good advice. And he was of the tribe of Midian. But this Midianites, in this century now with Gideon, ruled them for seven years. This This is for the Israelites. The Midianites were stronger than Israel. And the people of Israel hid from them in caves and other safe places in the hills. Whenever the Israelites would plant their crops, the Midianites would come with the Amalekites. Now the Amalekites and the Midianites they didn't even like each other. They, they were actually very much in war against each other. But here they worked together against the people of God. So they would come with the Amalekites and the desert tribes and attack them. They would camp in or on the land and destroy the crops as far south as the area around Gaza. They would take all the sheep. All the cattle and donkeys and leave nothing for the Israelites to live on. They would come with their livestock and tents as thick as the locusts. They and the camels were too many to count. They came and devastated the land and Israel was helpless against them. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help against the Midianites. And he sent them a prophet who brought them this message from the Lord. The God of Israel. I brought you out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from the people who fought you here. Here in this land. I drove them out as you advanced and I gave you their land. I gave you their land. There's a great dispute about that even today. The Palestinians think that that is still their land. God has kicked them out of that land. And put the Israelites there. Whose land you are now living in. But you have not listened to me. Then the Lord's angel came and, to the village of Ophrah. And sat under the oak tree that belonged to Joash. A man of the clan of Abiezer. His son Gideon was threshing some wheat secretly. In a wine press. So that the Midianites would not see him. The Lord's angel appeared to him there and said, the Lord is with you, brave and mighty man. Now, now that don't even make sense. Gideon sits in a winepress, and I am sure that winepress can't be seen from the ground. And he's threshing wheat in a winepress. But the the word of the Lord says he does it secretly because he was scared the Midianites were going to come and take that wheat from him. Then they have nothing to eat again. And while Gideon is scared, while, while he's hiding and threshing the weed, the Lord sends an angel to him and tells him, you are a mighty warrior. He's hiding and now he is a mighty warrior. So the Lord is with you, brave and mighty, mighty man. Gideon said, Gideon said to him, if I may ask, sir, why has all this happened to us if the Lord is with us? What happened to all the wonderful things that our fathers told us the Lord used to do? How He brought them out of Egypt. The Lord has abandoned us and left us to the mercy of, uh, uh, of the Midianites. Then the Lord ordered him, go with all your great strength and rescue Israel And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I myself am sending you. Gideon replied, But Lord, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least important member of my family. The Lord answered, You can do it because I will help you. I want you to notice. How many times haven't you seen this description of a character? Moses said when when the Lord spoke to him, he said, I can't even speak properly, I stutter. And the Lord had the answer for Moses, he said, your brother Aaron, don't stutter. Use him. Yes, Gideon is is telling, telling, he's telling God as if God don't know, he's telling God that he's, he's coming from a tribe that is the smallest in Manasseh. So a small tribe is, is often overlooked, you know? And, 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 and according to what I can read, it says that he is least significant. In other words, he's probably the youngest. And, and the Lord wants to use me. I'm coming from the smallest tribe. I'm, I'm, I'm probably the youngest. And the Lord answered, you can do it because I will help you. You will crush the Midianites as easily as if they were only one man. God don't just tell him that I'll be with you. He tell him how easy he's going to overcome them. So let us have a look at a small analysis of that again. Yeah, in the scripture, God called Gideon. He sent an angel to him, you know. It is different to Saul and different to, to Moses. They saw things. Gideon had an angel visit him. God finds him threshing wheat in the winepress. He was hiding. The angel of the Lord appeared to him under an oak tree. He was addressed as a great and mighty warrior. Now in the previous two characters, God introduced himself. But the angel came and reminded Gideon who and what he is. A great and mighty warrior. Gideon thought of himself as a member of the smallest tribe amongst the Israelites. Sometimes God must remind us exactly how He created us before we even knew Him. Sometimes He must remind us of our divine and true capabilities. He puts us in situations to convince us who He he is, who created us. All that we know in our natural state is that we were born of our mothers. But when He calls us and opens our spiritual eyes and ears, then He shows us who we are and the strength that we possess. I can, I can remember a few years back with our Tahila concerts. We hired this whole seats, 2,000 people, and we were supposed to sell tickets to 2,000 people to fill those seats. I was one of the guys who was very skeptical about that, you know. I and and, and a lot of the other people here said, Pastor, that cannot be done. <laughs> we. We cannot do that. And lo and behold, we, we walked into that wall, and the people started coming. I was standing back by the door, taking the tickets from the people and from some people that came to pay there. I started, and there were times when I had to call other people off the seats of our church, come and help me, because this is getting too much for me. Remember, I was one of the people that passed. The, we cannot do this. It happened. In fact, so much so, we had people standing at the back. There was no seats for them. The 2,000 seats were filled. In other words, we were more than 2,000 people. So God has got to remind us from time to time our strengths that we have, that He has created and implemented and installed in us. Because sometimes we forget how we were made. We forget our purpose, why we were made. And we forget the task that God has given us. But when he calls us and opens our spiritual eyes and ears, that he shows us who we are and the strength that we possess. God does not call everyone, but he wants everyone to be saved. He wants us all to be in paradise with him. Can you still remember what you have been called for? Can you still remember what your task is that God has given to you? Have you forgotten the power that has been created in you? And I want to say that in this festive time where families will be coming together and friends that you haven't seen for a long time, not just due to the pandemic, but because of circumstances, maybe they live in another area, maybe they live in another province. Just like Sister Valde has come from Bloemfontein into the Western Cape again to come and visit us. And we are so grateful for that. And in this time that we will catch up with certain conversations and going to remind each other where we left off. And we're going to talk about things of the past and how how nice times we had and how we grew up. And how we're going to compliment the chefs and the people and the wives that made the food, if there's anybody that ever sift, please share it with us as well. And we're going to compliment foods and drinks and things like that. And we're just going to have a fun time. Can I ask you, while you're complimenting the crayfish and the potato salad and the meats, also compliment God. Also compliment God. Ask your family members that are saved, do you still remember why God has called you? Or say to another family member, if I've seen where the Lord has saved you from and see where the Lord has put you now, then I stand amazed with the miraculous works of God. Remind each other in this time of what God has done in our lives. Let us rekindle that spirit that God has put in us. Let us restore that spirit that we need to go out to those who do not know God. To those who maybe heard about God's son sacrificed, was sacrificed on a cross, so that we can have eternal life. I was sitting there, and when I came into the church this morning, my eyes caught the cross, this cross here. And I thought to myself, oh, wow. Somebody heard me. I've been saying this over the years, and somebody heard me. And you'll see now now why I say so. I never told anybody in the church to put this decoration on the cross. But it's something that's been lingering with me over the years, because it frustrates me, and it agitates me when people walk with a chain around their necks, with a, with a, with a little crucifix, with a cross on, with Jesus still hanging on there. He, he was raised in three days. He got off the cross. He got off the cross. Do, do you guys know that Jesus got off the cross? Now I want to tell you, He got off so long ago. There's grass growing on the cross. He's not there anymore. There's cross growing on there now. He's off the cross. He speaks to me and you. He's alive. He's alive. He reminds us of our strength from time to time. He reminds us that we were made, we we were made before there were stars and the moon and the sun. He made us before there was the earth. He made us before that very first words in Genesis. In the beginning, God created the, 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 the earth. We were made before that. Before that, God made us. Do you people know that there's another world outside this world? There's a spiritual world outside this world. We speak about God as if He don't sit in heaven because we can't see heaven, so we think there is no heaven. There's another world outside this world. There's, there's much more than this, this world that we know. This world is, has, has taught us colors. This world has taught us we wake up in the morning after we have slept right through the night. And this world has taught us that we've got to go out to school, we've got to go out to universities, and we've got to go out to go and work. And we get tired of eight hours of the day, of the tasks that we had had to do. We get tired, we get home, we have our supper, we put our feet up and we fall asleep. And tomorrow the whole process starts. That's basically what we know. But if you've been called by God, you know much more than that. You know that there's eternal life waiting for us. You know that Jesus Christ came off the cross. He was on the cross. Yes, praise the Lord for that. But he came off the cross. He's now sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven that we don't see. He's sitting there and he's interceding for us. In other words, if you got a 5,000 rand increase but you actually wanted that 10,000 rand, he intercedes for you so that next year you will get the 10,000 rand. If you've lost your job due to COVID-19, Jesus Christ is interceding for you so that you have another job in the future. It's waiting for you. You've just got to line up with the line that God has put you on. If you do not have an income anymore, God is waiting for you to pay you. Just get on the line that He has put you on, that you got off from. We sometimes get off that line that God has put us on. And my encouragement to you guys today is we are much more than what we think we are. God has brought a change in us that no one else could give us. You know, there are some of us that have considered to turn Muslim because they look more effluent. It seems like they drive better cars. It looks like their houses are 10 times bigger than ours. It seems on a Friday that they worship their God truly and sincerely, and we don't know that. It looks attractive to some of us, but there's nothing behind there. It. It's like a Hollywood set you only see the front walls, but at the back there's nothing. They've packed things and stored things behind that wall that you see. So God has brought the chains in us, and sometimes we take the chains. And we hide it in the cupboard. Because we want to do what the masses are doing. We want to do what the world is doing. And I'm preaching this message to you, especially today before we enter into this festive time, so that we don't lose ourselves again. So that we can remind each other who we are. So that I can remind you, Sister Zanin, you are much more than what Panko say you are. He can just tell you we love you. But he will stand by your coffin if he have the privilege to live longer than you. And he will cry by your coffin. And he won't be able to give you any more because you won't be there anymore. But when you leave this earth, God's, God keeps on giving to you. Where panko stops, God carries on. I'm saying panko, what's his real name again? I mecha nada Francisco, if it's a panko Anyway, I'm going to say, okay, but what I'm trying to say is there's a treasure stored for us, stored up for us, there's eternal life stored up for us, and what is stored up for us is much more than what this world can give us. We mustn't just settle for this world, we mustn't just settle for our increase, we mustn't just settle for our bonus. We mustn't just settle for our Christmas clothes. I was joking with the Lords and I told the Lords while we were doing our shopping, I said, I Christmas so But we don't buy that for them anymore. They've got to see to themselves. But God has got more than that for us. He's given us more than what this world can give us. And He will continue giving us more than what this world can give us. So I want you to be encouraged this morning. I want you to take heart that God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He's promised to three guys that I just chose for this purpose. He's promised them that He will be with them. He is with them. If He could promise it to them, then obviously that same promise goes for us. Because God is with us as well. And I feel so sorry for some of the wives in this time where we as men criticize sometimes the food and we criticize because the food has not been made and started and we criticize the, the new bedding is not on the bed yet and we criticize that curtain don't look right with a paint on the wall and we criticize from this side to that side and we as men are being criticized because there's not enough money for a new dress and there's not enough money for a Christmas tree and there's not enough money for this and But let us remember that God has given us more than what we can deserve. Much more than what we can deserve. So leave the criticism for this festive season for this year. You can be your criticizing self again maybe next year if God allows you to. But let us as men and women of God, let us today and in this festive season make the difference. And that's the thing that I've noticed over the years that when it comes to this festive season, then, it's every, then there's equality in this world. You don't see Christians acting as Christians anymore, and you don't see the world acting as the world anymore. It's like everybody is just the same again. As if the Savior has not been born, as if he didn't die on the cross. But let us, I ask you, I plead to you today, let us remind each other by the table when we eat that Christ died for us. Let us remind each other that we have strength that this world cannot give us. Let us remind each other that the line that God has put us on is better than the line that we have been on. And let us move forward. When criticisms come and when bad things are being said, let us push through and carry on. There's, there's a lot of times when when, when, when I not just in the, this church, but in the previous church also, when I when I came to the conclusion, that's it, I'm not serving the Lord anymore, done that, been there, tried it out, doesn't work for me, because of that person. I've been there. I've done that. And and I'm sure there's a lot of you that can testify here with me today again. Sterling Job, Brother Mario, with the youth, but you know, you, you will get your fair share as well. But hold on, keep in there. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord seal whatever you will do. May he guide you with his Holy Spirit into the place where he wants you to be. And let us not forget to encourage and lift up one another. You know, I almost want to say, please forgive me because I might have said something during this year that offended you. I might have done something without saying something that I was so unconscious about that offended some of you. And I didn't even realize that I've done it but we are human. We do things sometimes that's out of the will of God and we think it's a good thing that we have done. But the the Lord has given us His Holy Spirit to check us and to remind us of the things that we have done or the things that we should have done. So may the Lord bless you. And I said, I'm not going to preach fire and brimstone. I've tried my best here today to kind of keep one tone of voice and not scream and... Go on, I'm not, I'm not screaming preach in any case. Pastor is, and Pastor Raymond, they, they jump here from the, over the pulpit when they, when they preach. I'm not that kind of guy. But I've tried to stay calm today and I, and I, and I, and I really hope, I really hope that the message has sunken in. I really hope that you guys have been encouraged today. And I really hope that after long after I've spoken, that the Lord will keep speaking to you guys and to me. And I hope that the Holy Spirit will have a place in our hearts, even in this time that's laying ahead. And then again, I want to say, um, this is outside the message, I'm done with the sermon. Uh, I've I've heard now over the last few days, um, one of the guys of a courier company that that normally come and deliver at our workplace, the courier company is DSV, they've got huge, big warehouses all around Cape Town. Um, one of the guys that normally come and do deliveries deliver is he's, he's short, he's dark of complexion, he's colored, and he's saved. Always used to come in there, bro, as man! And then he wants to, you know, he wants to share the sermon that he received by East church on a Sunday, and sometimes we have that opportunity because they come there early, they come there about half past six in the morning when I'm at work already, and then we can share with one another and encourage one another, and I don't know if you guys have heard about the accident just just before you get to Marie's on the N7 in the week. No, not in the week, uh, last weekend or fri- last two Fridays ago. He was one of the drivers, you know. The initial report came out that he's, he's dead. They said he's, he's, he died in the accident. Six people died in the accident. This is what happened. Can I, can I carry on for a few minutes, Pastor? This is what happened. He had to go and do a delivery from Cape Town out on the West Coast. They gave him a bucky and all the parcels that he had to go and deliver. And the task they gave him was for one person alone. So he went alone. But he stopped along the way um, and he went to go and pick up his niece. And he thought he'd take her with for a drive, you know, so that he don't, so he's not so alone. And it's an it's a outing for her also. And then they went and they landed up in this accident. And part of the initial reports was that he was the cause of the accident. But we've discovered Friday that he wasn't the cause of the accident. It was the, vehicle, the, the, the driver of the other vehicle where everybody died in. A golf that caused the, 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 the accident. He's currently laying in Tigerberg Hospital and I need you to pray for him. You know, we speak every day and I don't know his name. I don't know his name. We've never gotten to that point to introduce his other to, to he knows my name because he's heard the other people calling me on my name. <laughs> But he's laying in the hospital and he's fighting for his life. And we've heard Friday when I, when I asked for an update, they said he's laying in an aisle. His, his chest was giving in on Wednesday and, you know, his chest plate was busy sinking in over his heart and his lungs and squeezing it. And he couldn't breathe properly anymore and his heart had difficulty pumping. And they rushed him into the theater when they discovered that and they did this emergency operation. So that is kind of sorted out and he's still alive, but he's got a severed leg that they, they need to get him into a theater, but it's just too busy, and he's been laying there for a few days in an hour on a bed with that leg, and it can become poisonous. He can lose that leg. When he got into the hospital, they said they can still save that leg, but now they're doubtful. This is a fellow brother that serves the same God as you and me, so, so this is that time of the year when things like that happen. Can, can bad things happen to good people? Yes, it can. Not because we have done something bad, but it just can. There's proof of that. Okay? And then one of our directors went to the ATM there in Johannesburg. He went to the ATM with a card that I haven't got. It's not his main account. But it's a card that's got a couple of thousand rand in it. You know? He went to the ATM, put the card in, card came out, and half of his money came out. And he stood there by the machine, and somebody came and shot him in the back. He's still alive. Shot him in the back, took the money that he had in his hand, and his wallet, and his phone, and stuff, and ran off. And they left him there for dead. But he's still alive. The people got him there. They got him to the hospital. There's cameras all over the so, so they're in pursuit of these guys. They haven't gotten them yet. But this is the time of the year, so I ask you, with the strength that the Lord has created us with, to be weary, and to be careful, and to be wise when you do things. These things can happen to me, and can happen to you. Because Satan has also been given authority. He wasn't just kicked out of hell, he was given authority as well, and power. That is why when we pray, we pray against the powers and the authorities in the air. So they have the power to do these things to us. So be weary and be careful and spend your money wisely after you've paid your tithes. In fact, I I've, forgotten to, I've forgotten to fill in the envelope, but I've paid my, my tithes. May the Lord bless you guys. And I hope that you have been encouraged. I, I've seen how some of you have fallen asleep here in, while I'm speaking I can point you out if you want to, but I won't do that. I could hear how some of you were snoring. Now I'm talking, I couldn't hear that. But may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. Amen. The Lord that uh, I didn't give